Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. What's up, besties? This is Danny J, and I am doing a solo episode today. Um, I actually shared in my stories the other day kind of an update, a life update. And you guys, I've been way more consistent on the podcast, so you know a little bit more about what's going on in my life than maybe the average IG follower. Um, but one of the things I shared was that I've been successfully off of my psych meds specifically Wellbutrin, my antidepressant, for the last 15 months, um, maybe more, since October 2022. So, and I shared about that and a lot of people wanted to know how I got off of them and and then what I'm doing now, um, maybe just to protect my mental health. So I wanted to share how I got off of them. And first, before saying all of that, I this is not a share to teach you how to get off of yours. This is going to just be what I did, the reasons behind it, and the whole backstory. This is actually kind of a long process. And I did so many things that there's not really just one thing I can attribute my current mental health to. But just to start off saying that my mental health right now is really, really good. It's probably, I feel like I'm in the best place that I've been in a good chunk of my adult life. And that is saying a lot, even medicated. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory and history of my use of meds, why I started, how long I've been on them, side effects. And I also want to share that at certain times of my life, medication saved my life. So I'm not one to say that you shouldn't be on meds. Um, many people should. <laughs> I've tried to get off meds before and it was a bad idea. I had some bad reactions. This time has been different and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And so that's what I'm going to share. But kind of to back it up, um, my first episode of depression was when I was 13 or 14 years old. And in 2022, let me kind of, I'm going to tie these things together. But in 2022, um, I was really struggling with grief and PTSD. And as many of you know, my mom passed away at the uh, fall of 2021. And I don't feel like it hit me until around the five month mark. And I really started to struggle. Also in October, 2021, I was robbed twice uh, in Mexico and it was more traumatic than I wanted it to be. Um, one of the times 
I was out of the house, so we were ransacked, and that was scary, you know, because somebody had been through our stuff, and it was I was at a house with multiple girls, so we just all started sleeping in the same room. But then the second time fucked me up a little more um, because someone came into the room while I was asleep, and I was sleeping naked that night. They took my phone, they used my face to open it, and they started changing my passwords and, and getting into my stuff. And so just the thought that someone was in my physical space while I'm laying there naked, and they could have quite literally put their hand on my mouth and dragged me out of the door and I could have been kidnapped. It just, like, that was scary. Um, and then after that trip, I had to fly home with no phone, no laptop, and no passport. And it was just highly stressful. I was worried about my money. Um, I couldn't change passwords because <laughs> the passwords I was trying to send to my boyfriend and they wanted to send a code to my phone to confirm it was me and I had no phone. So anyway, it was a lot and it really messed with me. So because of that, um, what I was really struggling with was not only the grief and PTSD, but what really messed me up was my memory loss. I had a hard time remembering anything that happened the week after my mom died. Um, I know Jill took me to a spa and we were talking about it later. And I said, I think we went to the win. And she goes, no, we went to the encore. <laughs> and then she said, we went to a pool and I don't remember a pool. And the fact that I couldn't remember these things really messed me up because I always considered myself to have a really good memory. And this led me down this path of just reading because I wanted to figure out what was wrong with me and what's wrong with my brain. And what I learned was nothing was wrong with me, that my brain was doing something very normal when trauma happens. And I remember hearing about stories that people who had been, you know, attacked or raped or had something very traumatic happen, maybe some kinds of war and they forgot about it and then maybe it would come back and they didn't remember. And I was always like, how do you not remember that? And now I get it. Um, our brains are designed to protect us. And in survival, sometimes it will shut down or cut out a memory or remove memories just out of protection. And so when I experienced that, it was very um, disorienting and scary because I, I was like, am I going through dementia? <laughs> you know, I'm 40 years old and I don't have memories. So this led me to reading a lot about depression. It led me to reading a lot about um, PTSD, led me to reading a lot about grief. And so this is going to tie into what I'm sharing and what I learned about myself and what I learned about how the brain works um, and why I got off meds ultimately. So, now I'll tell the story about when I was 13, my first depression, and this is what I believe depression comes from. So I read a book called Feeling Good and also another book called Feeling Great, and the author is David Burns. I'm looking at the book right now. It's a book about um, CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and he said something that blew my mind. He said that there's no evidence that depression is caused by uh, serotonin imbalances. And that's what I was always told. So at 13, I had my first depression. 15, I ended up in a mental health institute. They put me on meds. And my mom told me, you're going to be on meds your whole life. Like this is just, it's genetic and you have a brain imbalance. But interestingly enough, my first episode of depression came after finding out news, traumatic news, that my dad wasn't my dad. So with what I've learned today and looking back, 
I think that, and this is my belief, and I'm sure there's going to be evidence to support this. Maybe I haven't read it yet, but I believe that depression comes from, starts with, I should say, a traumatic event, a memory, or a physical trauma, like a brain, uh, brain injury, um, and thought patterns that get into a loop or spiral. And these thought patterns start to create neural pathways and those neural pathways just get deeper and deeper till they're harder to get out of. And now you are in full blown depression. Um, I don't believe the reason I don't believe you're like born with it is because I've never seen a toddler who's depressed unless something happened to that toddler. Right? So depression generally comes out of an event, a tragic event, a traumatic thing. And it, trauma also could be, doesn't even have to be something that we think of as big trauma. It could be like an embarrassment at school. Like you showed up and you peed your pants and somebody in class pointed it out and like that affected you in a very deep way. And now these thought patterns start to spiral and suddenly you're find yourself depressed or anxious because of this situation that happened and you weren't able to cope with it or process it in the right way to release it. And now you're in this like spiral and suddenly like this becomes your personality, I guess. So that's my belief about depression. And I would love to have conversations about this, especially with people who've struggled for a long time to see if there was digging to where they can pinpoint the first time they felt that their depression started. And if there was a related event or something that came up. Um, I also do remember when I was around five or six years old, my, I had an aunt who struggled with her mental health and she always threatened suicide. And I remember at one point threatening to kill myself at five years old. And I don't think I really knew what that meant, but I knew it got attention. And I got in the biggest trouble for saying that, but it was something that was planted. It was a seed that was planted in my brain. And that was also a seed that started to grow like an idea that you could kill yourself, that an idea that you might not have to be here. So I'm saying all that to say, this is my belief. Um, and this is also one of the things that helped me to unravel, because I think if you, if you believe that you have no control and if you believe that you're always going to be this way, then it's going to be a struggle for you to wrap your mind around the idea that you can wean yourself off of medication or that you can be healed or that you can fix yourself or your brain. I also want to say that some people's life experiences and traumatic experiences are going to take a lot more time and healing and maybe they won't be able to get off a of medication. Maybe they can reduce it. Maybe they can reduce symptoms, but there might be some people out there that are um, on meds for life. And I also want to say this has nothing to do with schizophrenia. I don't know anything about that. Um, I don't know how the brain works. I don't know why that starts or why that's triggered. Same with Tourette's. There are certain things that I just have no idea. This, I want to say, is really specific to... Um, depression, long-term depression, seasonal affective disorder, and PTSD. So let me just caveat all of that. Um, so that being said, um, was on meds at 15 and I found out I was pregnant, so I got off them, but I was told you're going to need to be on this your whole life. 
okay? After I had my baby, I got put back on, and I don't remember exactly. I was on Paxil, I was on Effexor, I was on Lexapro. Um, I was, they were trying a lot of different things. And this is also something I learned when you have some kind of depression. They will just test, they don't know. They're like, I don't know, this one might work on you, it might not, try it and come back. Which if you've gone through this, rigmarole, you know, it can be very dangerous and scary because you might be actively suicidal and you are playing with things that you don't even know if they work. And some of the side effects of some of these drugs are suicidal ideation. Not great. So there were some drugs that worked. Um, I remember, I don't remember specifically which did what, but I do remember there was one that it made me not depressed, but it also made me feel no joy. So I was just completely numb, no happiness, no sadness. So I got off of that because I remember thinking, well, the sadness is gone and that's great, but I also have no joy either. And that sucks. Um, I was on another med, also don't remember which one. And my motivation was gone. You know, I used to be pretty motivated if there was a, like a deadline, I was really good at procrastinating. And like, if it was the night before something, I would get it done. And it was my last year, I think I was a senior and there was a big project and I had a deadline and I just didn't care. I was like, I'll just fail. And I used to get straight A's and just be really good at school. And so that was another sign for me to get off of that one. Um, and then in my early twenties, I got into fitness and a lot of you follow me from the fitness days and I was a competitor. And for a while during those years, I felt like my yeah. mental health was under control. I actually felt pretty stable. And then I thought, this is it. Exercise and diet fixes your mental health. So I thought I had the key then. And I will put a little asterisk here and say, yes, and. So it did until it didn't. And there were just some pieces I was missing. So working out was helping my mental health a lot. Eating good was helping my mental health a lot. A lot of you know my journey. Um, I got so extreme in fitness that I caused adrenal fatigue. And if you know anything about adrenal fatigue, that really makes your mental health go down the tank and your hormones just go in the tank. So struggled again there. Um, there was a time where I was like, my life was going really great and I was crying, crying. I was crying. And I remember my, we had just come home from lunch with friends and it was really fun. My husband looked at me and he's like, what? Like our life is so bad. And I was like, oh, no, I go, I don't know why I feel this way. And I actually noticed at the time, the day of the month was like the 15th. And I remembered for some reason, the 15th on the month before I was also feeling really shitty. And a kind of this light bulb went off going, huh, this may be cyclical. I wonder if this is like some kind of PMS. And I looked up and I went to a doctor and he's like, you have PMDD. So I went through this second round of a different type of depression, which was hormonal. And every month I was like massively suicidal or ragey. And so I started going on Prozac and I would go on Prozac 10 days before my period. So I wasn't on it all the time, just cyclically. And I'm sharing that too, because I think there are also, um, I said earlier that depression is, is usually triggered by some kind of traumatic event or circumstance. But I also think it's triggered and can be triggered by lack of sleep and hormones. Like we know after having a baby, postpartum depression, like that's a real thing. 
something traumatic happened to your body, um, you don't have any sleep and your hormones are all out of whack. So there's, let me caveat and say that there are multiple things that I think can cause it. Ultimately, what comes down to is these thought loops and these thought spirals and these neural pathways that are created and they're hard to get out of. Um, and then again, seasonal too, you know, not being out of the house, you're in winter for months and months. That's very real. So my, my thirties back on meds, you know, um, cyclically for my hormones. And then I got off them again. Um, I don't know why I did. I thought I was feeling good. And this is the tricky part too, with meds is sometimes you're like, Oh, I feel so good. I don't need my meds anymore. And, and maybe it's like, that's the reason you feel good is because you're on your meds, but you know, I digress. So, um, got off them for a few years and then 2018 got divorced in 2017. The year was going decent, living in LA, things are going amazing in my life. And I started having invasive thoughts again. And we did an episode on this. You can look back. I think it's maybe called depression. Um, it was in 2018 and I went to an emergency mental health clinic. Jill was with me and I got on, they put me on Zoloft. Um, and I was on Zoloft for a few months. I noticed it was making me feel really numb. We switched it to Wellbutrin and I've been on Wellbutrin since. So I've been on Wellbutrin from 2018 up until just recently, October, 2022. Um, there was a time that I jumped off again. Jill and I went to Rhythmia, which is an ayahuasca retreat in 2019, February. And before you go, they want you off of your meds for 30 days. So I got off for 30 days and I had also been told and read a lot of studies that people had gone to these ayahuasca retreats and they were quote cured of their depression. And so they never had to get on it again. Um, uh, they never had to get on meds again, but we went, I had a beautiful, profound experience. We came home and I was like, let's see if I can stay off my meds. And within a month I knew I needed to get back on. So got back on, been on since. So it was four solid years of being on Wellbutrin, um, and managing. And after my mom's death, I was still on it, but I was really struggling. I was struggling with motivation, depression, not wanting to leave the house, crying a lot. And I honestly didn't know. I remember calling my counselor and I even did an email about this. I said, I don't know if this is grief depression or PTSD or, or like mental illness, or I'm sorry. I said, I don't know if this is grief, hormones or mental illness. And I said, maybe it's all of the above. And she's like, yeah, it probably is, you know, grief affects your hormones. We actually had Esther Perel on, or not Esther Perel. We had Esther. Oh my God. What's her last name? Uh, somebody named Esther on the podcast or her name will come to me. Um, who did, talked about hormones and grief and, that was affecting me. It was probably also mental illness. It was all of the above. And so that struggle and I'm going, I'm on meds and it's not really helping. It's not touching. So I went down the rabbit hole of reading all these books and reading. Okay. My brain is normal, but also, uh, this sucks. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain, 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. So I started looking into a lot of different alternative uh, therapies and ideas. One of those was psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms, this, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And all of these things I did not necessarily with the idea to quote, cure myself, but it was just to find relief from that thing I was struggling with at the time. So this is kind of where the journey begins of the weaning off and kind of the end of the end of medication. And I will say, I feel right now in my heart that I will not need it again for the rest of my life. However, I have felt like I figured it out before and I've had stuff come out of nowhere and kick me in the ass. So I am also well aware that that can happen. But I do think now I have some different tools that I would use before I would go the pharmaceutical route. And I'm going to share all of that with you. Okay. So that took 20 minutes just to explain the backstory. So now we're in 2022. I'm reading, I am experimenting. I'm trying to figure things out. So psilocybin, I had done a journey with a friend who is a, I guess you can kind of call her a shaman loosely, um, a trip sitter of sorts, energy worker. Um, at the end of 2020, I did a ceremony with her and it was very profound, very powerful. This was prior to my mom even getting sick about a week before. So, you know, just working through some personal things and stuff I wanted to work through. And it was a beautiful experience for me. And I had heard about microdosing where you take a low suboptimal dose of psilocybin. It's supposed to help with your mental health. And I I don't think I even did at that point. My mom passes away and I said, you know what? I want to do some medicine again, some psilocybin, I should say. So about two weeks after my mom died, I got a cabin in Utah, went by myself and I took myself on a little journey. It wasn't extreme. It wasn't crazy. It was deeply profound and touching for me and it kind of helped me get through some of that initial grief. And I think that helped early on. And then I started to go through this, that six, after the six months, kind of what I was mentioning is the PTSD and like just really struggling. And I started to get scared, honestly, I'm on meds and I'm just, I'm feeling very suicidal and not well. So I'm looking up ketamine. Um, there's ketamine therapy. In a lot of states, it's legal. Um, you can do IV ketamine. You can do intramuscular ketamine. And what I read about it was that it can help with medicine-resistant depression. And I don't know if I was medicine-resistant or not, but I know I was struggling and I was on medicine. <laughs> so uh, I was, it's, it was a little expensive, so I was kind of waiting. And I finally decided in June I was going to do it. Um, and then something came up, ended up skipping it. And then the, the clinic I was going to go to emailed about, uh, breathwork assisted or ketamine assisted breathwork. 
And so instead of doing the IV, I ended up doing that. And we did an episode on this as well, on the ketamine-assisted breath work. So did a session of that and did um, a ketamine session at home. Was definitely helpful and felt some relief. But not instant. Not an instant, like, get off your meds. Still was on them. Then we did another... Jeff and I did another like mushroom journey and felt a little more relief. I also was going to therapy (laughs) and with the therapist who does EMDR. And I had another coach who is a trained psychotherapist. So again, I'm sharing this because I did a lot of things. Um, And each thing was never like the silver bullet, but it, I felt like it was adding to this like apex that I'll get to. So did all that. Then we got access to MDMA, Molly, ecstasy, all of those of the same name, but it is a empathogen, I believe, uh, or emp- yeah, an empathogen. So it's different than psilocybin in that you're not like having any visuals, but you feel this profound sense of love and compassion. And I had a very, very beautiful experience. And I know they use MDMA therapeutically. I was trying to get it to see if I can do it with a therapist. I ended up just doing it at home with nobody. So also just mind you, again, I'm not like saying this is something you should do. And it's also not always easy to get or access. So I just happen to have access, happen to be able to do this uh, in my house. Jeff and I then decided to go do ayahuasca again for a retreat in Costa Rica in November, 2022. And prior to the retreat, they ask you, just like my first retreat in 2019, to get off of your psych meds for 30 days, 30 days before. So I started weaning myself off 30 days prior, which was October, 2022. That was the last time I think I started kind of intuitively, like going every other day kind of thing until I wasn't taking anything. Jeff and I went to this ayahuasca retreat. We came back and that was also the catalyst of us not wanting to drink anymore. And I was giving myself, I was really just paying attention just like I did the first time. Like, do I need to get on my meds again? And I was feeling good. So I didn't, and I just kept waiting. And a month after our ayahuasca, we did one more psilocybin journey uh, right after Christmas. And probably in between January 2023 and May 2023, I probably took about three doses, like microdose, microdoses of psilocybin. So nothing, I wasn't taking it daily, wasn't doing anything a lot, but that was it. And since that time, I've been feeling really amazing. Now, part of me is like, oh, it was the ayahuasca. Because ever since then, that's when I haven't been drinking, haven't been on my meds. But the ayahuasca was on top of other medicine journeys, um, therapy. (laughs) And then what is also interesting was I stopped drinking and I stopped using artificial sweeteners, which had been a daily thing for me. I had been using Equal every single day for years or Splenda 
but mostly equal. So was it the fact that I stopped using artificial sweeteners? Was it the fact that I stopped drinking alcohol? Was it that I did ayahuasca? I think yes, yes, and yes. I believe that those poisons were contributing to my mental health or bad mental health. I believe that the plant medicines fixed and rewired some shit in my brain. But I had also done some of these plant medicines before. So it's hard to say that I can say, well, it was the ayahuasca for sure, because there was multiple things happening at once. So the intentionality since I came back from ayahuasca has been just to keep myself clean of artificial sweeteners. That's been a big one for me. I'm actually kind of terrified to even try it because I'm afraid that it will kind of wreck my mental health. Um, clearing out toxins. I think that our toxic food, our toxic water also contributes to these neuropathways going wonky. But I don't go crazy on it. I don't even have, we have a Brita filter. I mean, nine times out of 10, I drink the water out of the fridge. So I don't even know if that's filtered, but I'm paying attention more. So around September this year, this last year, 2023, it'd been almost a year since I drank. And I actually had some uh, like cravings for alcohol again. And I was like, oh no, it's wearing off. And I, I worked through that and it was fine. And I just have recognized that some of these things might come back. And um, even more recently, like this around Christmas time, I was the first time just a little teeny twinge of feeling like I was on the verge of like depression or having some emotional, I want to say emotional breakdown, but kind of like crying, feeling like I'm, you know, out of control. And I will tell you, I did a couple microdoses of psilocybin again, and I've been back to like feeling good. And I also went on some more walks, intentionally got outside, worked on exercise, kind of trying to bring myself back. So, um, and we also did, oh, we also did one more ketamine treatment and I'm, I'm going to do a series of ketamine treatments again. So really interesting that I can kind of recognize when something's coming on now or in the past, I've, I've kind of fallen in depression where it happened so slowly and suddenly I'm down a deep, dark hole. I feel like if I find myself spiraling now, if I find myself, it's starting, I'm either going to microdose psilocybin or I'm going to do ketamine and then see how I feel. And if it's not good yet, I'll do it again. If it's not good yet, I'll do it again. If at that point and like things are not good, then I'll get back on meds, but I don't foresee that happening. I think these are some tools that really do help. I actually was talking to a psychedelic researcher yesterday. He said, there's no studies done on microdosing. He doesn't know where he stands on it. He said that, um, for sure they know that like macrodose, big doses of psilocybin help. But as far as microdosing, it's inconclusive at the moment. And he also said the placebo effect is really real. So could be the placebo effect. Our brains are really powerful. If it is cool, um, maybe that's where I'm at. But I think the reason why I've been able to successfully get off the meds is like threefold. It's removing the toxins and poisons from my body. 
the artificial sweeteners, the alcohol, etc. Um, and then I also want to say, and they're adding in physical, like fitness and going outside. Um, two, actively working on the rewire or well, two, I should say is the plant medicines that have helped with the brain rewiring. That means the ketamine, the MDMA, the psilocybin and the ayahuasca and three actively rewiring my neural pathways and thought patterns through the therapy, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, those kind of things while on the medicine, while my brain was a little more um, neuroplastic, like the neuroplasticity was more available to do the rewiring. I think it's really important if you're going to try to work with these kind of medicines that you are doing it with intentionality because it does create, basically creates more neural pathways to be open in your brain. So you want to fill those in with good things and like rewire the right way instead of the wrong way that your brain is already going. So all that to say, again, this is not like here, go out and do try a bunch of stuff and get off your meds. This has been a two year journey of doing something, getting some relief, doing something, getting some relief, doing something, getting some relief, and then going all off and then paying attention and really being mindful of where I'm at. I got off it in 2019, got right back on. You know, like it was like training wheels were off and I was like, nope, put the training wheels back on. I feel very confident now in where I'm at. My next thing I'm really, really working on is ADHD. Um, trying to figure that one out. Sleep is big. We just had Emily on the podcast, Emily Gouge, and um, that's something I've been really trying to focus on is getting correct, not correct sleep, but getting better sleep, getting good sleep. Uh, I had, um, what is it called? Septoplasty. Cause I apparently couldn't breathe through my nose and had sleep apnea. Again, looking back, it makes me go, holy shit. Was my mental health affected? Cause my sleep has been bad my whole life. Maybe it's all like everything is a part of it. Right? So looking at, if you are like, I want to get off my meds too. I don't want to be on them my whole life, but I feel like I have to is taking little pieces bit by bit, clean, fixing your sleep, getting your hormones balanced and in check, which sleep will help with cleaning up bits of your diet, maybe pulling out alcohol, maybe pulling out artificial sweeteners and colors, breath work. I forgot to add that. I did some breath work sessions that were massively clearing and helpful and probably more profound than even some of the psilocybin. Um, and then maybe looking into ketamine because it's legal and doing some treatments there and seeing how you feel. And then maybe if that's like you're feeling a little bit, but you still, if you feel called to go to ayahuasca somewhere, um, usually you have to leave the country for it. Um, or if you feel called to try magic mushrooms somewhere, um, but I do just want to share like openly and honestly, because I believe you deserve to know. I wish I knew about this stuff earlier. Um, the more I heard people share their stories was how I really went down this path. I didn't expect to be off my meds. I didn't expect to feel like this. It's been a beautiful, exciting kind of like happy little side effect surprise of all of it. Um, but I do want to share it because 
if you're able to do even a fraction of these things, if you can just do breath work and clean up your diet a bit and clear out some poisons and you get some relief, that is life-changing. So um, I hope it's helpful to you. you. My DMs are open, so feel free to ask questions. I'm trying to be as honest as possible, even though some of these things are not quite legal or not quite uh, socially acceptable, <laughs> maybe. But I also feel like it's important to share too. As a leader, sometimes we don't have our shit together. And it's really hard when you feel like people are looking up to you and you're in a leadership role. And if your mental health is struggling, you tend to push it down and hide it more. And I just want to also share it's okay to be vulnerable and to ask for help. That was probably one of the hardest things was admitting that I had anything wrong or admitting that I was struggling. Um, I've always been one to hold it all together and people come to me for advice and it feels sucky when you feel like you don't even know what's going on and your brain is all messed up and people are asking you for advice. So I get that. And I, that's one of the other reasons I want to share is to break some of the stigma on mental health, especially for people who are leaders or in roles where they feel like they are the, they have to be the strong ones. It's really okay to share that you're struggling and to need help and to get help. And there is help. And there's a lot of different things you can do. Some things cost more than others. Some things are a little more um, affordable. There's so many resources out there for different kinds of therapy. Um, so yeah, I think I got it. I thought this was going to be like a four part series, but I guess it's really not. And I love y'all. I'm feeling great. I want you to feel great. Uh, I want you to also feel normal if you're struggling or if you've ever gone through anything like I did with the memory loss. And feel free to DM me at dannyj.com, also at thebestlifepodcast.com. You can message us with even questions about this and we could do a whole other episode on it. And I hope you all subscribe. Leave a review for us if you can. I would really appreciate it on any of the platforms or just leave us five stars on Spotify. We need to jump that one back up. And I'll see y'all on the next episode. Bye.